This show includes adult conversations around sometimes sensitive topics. Check the show notes at cxmhpodcast.com for trigger warnings. You're listening to the CXMH Podcast with Robert Vore and Steve Austin. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vore and I am your host. Just wanted to give you a quick heads up, little intro Our guest this week is Brittany Moses, who, if you're familiar with kind of the intersection of Christianity and mental health online, there's a good chance you already know who Brittany is, but she's a clinical psychologist. She also writes about Christianity and mental health uh, with obviously a psychology and faith background, which is really awesome. She's all over social media, really popular on Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest, things like that. She's also the developer of the Faith and Mental Wellness app, which is a fantastic resource. So lots of good things. You'll hear all from her, her story, how she gets into this line of work, kind of the same intersection that we find ourselves at, as well as how to connect with her and her thoughts on a lot of things. This is a phenomenal phenomenal episode. Brittany is a a great friend of ours. I do want to let you know that Steve did this interview, so I'm super jealous of his time that he got to spend with Brittany during this, but so, so glad that we got to have her on the show for us to hear and also for you to hear because I think she has some really amazing things to say. So before we get into it, I do want to remind you real quick about the exclusive CXMH community group that we've started on Facebook. It's been phenomenal. People sharing their stories. Uh, Brittany is in that group. So when this goes live, if you're listening to it, it's already live. When this goes live, there'll be a discussion post in there where people can ask questions, leave comments, and Brittany can respond, things like that. So we do that with most of the guests and obviously other people who listen and are passionate about these same things. To join that group, all you have to do is go to cxmhpodcast.com slash support that will redirect you to our patreon page and sign up to support the show at the very minimum price of one dollar a month that's not a lot i know that we're all in different places but not a lot if you do that it'll ask for your email and i'll send you an invitation you don't want to miss out on that there's lots of good conversations in there people sharing articles and ministry ideas and personal experiences as well as interacting with the guests and and myself so do take advantage of that just wanted to remind you real quick now without further ado here is our episode with Brittany moses Hey friends, welcome back. It is CXMH. This is Steve Austin. Where the heck is Robert Vore? I don't even know, but uh, yeah, I've hijacked the show. I get to ask all the questions today, so you're welcome. Uh, If you miss Robert, then you'll have to listen next week, and hopefully he'll be back. Um, But for today, it's me, and I'm hanging out with Brittany Moses. Brittany, welcome to CXMH. (laughs) 
Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, so glad that you were here. So um, in the intro bit, Robert and I shared your bio, but would you mm-hmm. dive in a little more and tell us you know, more about your story and, and why you're all about this Christianity and mental health thing? Absolutely. Um, you know, the whole faith and mental health thing probably really started about a year or so ago that I really started diving into it. And I think that comes from two things. One, it was something that I saw uh, as a crisis in the church. And it was something that I had battled with personally. I know, uh, Steve, we've talked before um, and we've kind of shared our stories, um, which is awesome that you guys have this community for that. Um, You know, so I'm like, where do I start? First of all, I decided to go back to school for clinical psychology and to kind of just not just be an advocate, but also help the church understand, you know, all of the, the the functions of mental health issues, of mental illness, and that sometimes it's not just a demon or something that you can pray away, right? Come on, um, tell it again. <laughs> I, I have the I have kind of a philosophy of pray on the way to the doctor, right? Like yes. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I was a part of a number of church plants and ministries, including my own, where just just the mental health, the mental illness issue just kept popping up. And, you know, I remember one of the first church plants I worked with in Dallas, Texas, I was helping out with the youth and there was a young man with suicidal thinking. I mean, serious suicidal, suicidal thoughts. And they didn't really know what to do about it or to do with him. Um, and they asked me to talk to him, to talk to the mom. And here I am. I'm not trained in anything. <laughs> I'm not, you know, um, I'm not licensed in anything. Uh, but I did go talk to them and sort it out and um, and pray with them. But I think that was my first, that was one of my first recognizable encounters where I realized wow, like this is this is a really big problem. And not only is it a big problem, but our leaders don't really know what to do with this. Um, you know, I believe in prayer. I believe in deliverance. But as you probably know, Steve, that with a lot of these cases, there are biochemical imbalances going on. There are genetics going on. There is trauma going on. There are so many factors that are going into play um, that need to be looked at. Things that I didn't understand fully at the time. And so uh, I realized that, wow, this is this is really a problem. Um, but not only that, but I saw this same occurrence in a number of churches and ministries. I was going to just people mentally blocked and so blocked that it really inhibited their ability to live a fulfilling Christian life, uh, to have satisfying relationships, to even view themselves or God correctly. And these are all things that are important for us to walk out the callings that we have on our lives, right? Um, And so, and not just with others, but with myself, you know, when I was a teenager, I struggled. I was going through a lot of uh, trauma at home and I was struggling with depression. I felt very very trapped. I felt like things, I just couldn't see another side 
of all the chaos in my life. I was downward spiraling with negative thoughts and I didn't have the self-control or the coping skills to deal with that, which is very common in teenage years, which is why I really feel for teenagers, right? Because it's the onset for mental illness. You have so many different dynamics and pressures coming at you. You don't really, you're trying to figure out who you are in this world and you aren't necessarily usually mature enough to deal with that. So for me, that is when I had my first experiences with self-harm to kind of numb the pain, you know, and I episodically dealt with depression here and there from then on. Uh, I was never diagnosed, but I have dealt with it more episodically. Uh, I guess the most recent case is probably about last year when I had a really bad episode of anxiety. Um... And, you know, I think that anxiety is really hard to pinpoint. I think with a lot of these, too, because they fall on the spectrum, you don't really know how bad you are until you're hitting rock bottom. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you don't like it's like if you don't know the signs, if you don't have awareness and a definition to these things, you're just kind of going through life and it just becomes a part of your life. And you're not really questioning it because you just kind of assume like, this is my life. These are my thoughts. You know, you just kind of accept it. You don't have that metacognition where you can think above that and reflect on what's going on with you and why it's happening. And so I wasn't really able to put a name to these things or define these things um, until later, until I really got into mental health. But when I was dealing with anxiety, it was... You know, it was <laughs> it was really, really bad because I started having uh, physiological symptoms where I had really hard time sleeping, um, sometimes hard times breathing and, and nausea. And I had to see a therapist for that. And luckily, I actually had a Christian therapist who not only dealt with the the practical and the very real side of things, but also she helped helped me get through it with scripture. And I do believe that that really sped up my recovery process, just really being able to hold on to those promises of God and um, refine your core beliefs about who he is and what he's saying about you and your life and really just overcoming the lies with that truth. It's so powerful. Um, and, And it's crazy because even if you are a mental health professional or you are studying mental health, which I was, you're not immune. You know, you're not immune from these things happening to you. You're not immune from these things slipping right through your hands. Um, and, it, and it's it's much harder when it's happening to you because you're the one that's in the pit. So um, we all need someone to help dig us out. And yeah. I did. Um, I was very proactive about getting help and also seeking a mentor, um, getting involved in different community groups at church. Um, because I was lacking a little bit of uh, fellowship and support at the time. And so I think that had a lot to do with it as well. I didn't really have too many people to lean on. Um, I moved back to California from Texas, and I made all of my closest friendships in Texas. So when I moved back here, it was kind of like I had to rebuild that whole support system, you know, which I did. (laughs) I prayed 
I prayed for friends, for more <laughs> friends, for solid, you know, friends and a solid community. But not only did I pray, but I went after it. Mm. And um, and it, it helped a lot. I did recover. So I don't know, man. It's It's been a journey. And I'd like to say that I'm at the end of it, but I can't because I'm still human and life still happens. And, you know, uh, all we can do is try to make sure that we have the right systems in place in our lives and being proactive, having a plan kind of for when those things do happen, you know, making sure we have supportive uh, circle around us and being aware of the signs. You know, and being able to say, hmm, I'm not I'm not in a good place right now. Uh, let me either go journal what I'm going through or talk to somebody about it or or something, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I think it, it is. It's having a system. And it's also something that you talk a good bit about, about getting a proper perspective, you know, mm-hmm. especially when we're talking about when we're trying to convince people that you can be a Christian and struggle with mental health. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that we that we have sort of these two perspectives that we've got this secular humanistic view or we've mm. got the totally spiritual view. Um, but you have been very open and very honest and clear on just having one or the other of those is not the right approach. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. And um, yeah, I actually read a little bit more about this in a book. And shoot, I wish I remembered what the book is called. I'm going to have to send it to you because it breaks it down really well. And it basically talks about how there are three views that we tend to take when it comes to mental health, especially those of us who are believers. And one is the secular view. And that is, you know, that is the more scientific view that just says, you know, all we can all we can know is what's observable, you yes. know, is the, the biochemicals going on in your brain, the methods that have proven to be effective and, and things like that. Right. So that's obviously not a terrible thing, <laughs> because even if. Um, you don't recognize that your wisdom comes from God. We do know he is the root of knowledge and that he endows us with the skills that we need to help one another. And so um, I be- that's called revelational knowledge. You know, it's when there are things that we discover that are effective and, and healing and they might not have God's name on it, but it is good, you know, and it is helpful. And it, I believe it does come from God, you know, as humans, um, develop these skills to help one another. So that's a secular view. It doesn't really take God into account. You know, they'll, they'll say spirituality and faith is only useful when it's, you know, helping as a coping mechanism, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there is, you know, that's where you get into a lot of like meditation, mindfulness, prayer. Um, it's just, it's kind of seen as this helps people cope, you know? Um, and then there's the absolute spiritual view, which I think many of us in the church have experienced. Um, it's something I've talked with, with a lot of my friends and had to have some eye opening conversations about. Um, and that is when, everything is absolutely a spiritual issue. You know, when something is going wrong with your thoughts or your mind, you know, it's an issue of faith. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, you know, um, or 
it's it's you know you're dealing with a demon or possession or um i'm trying to think it's just it's just absolutely spiritual or some might even say you know you're in sin and this is why you're dealing with this or might feel that it's god's punishment you know um really really harsh (laughs) um really really hard really hard to deal with i've seen this and i've been through this and then there is the integrated view which is my view which is one that i like to write from um, which i believe is a balanced and correct perspective and that is saying that you know there is a practical side and there is a spiritual side we are mind, body, and soul. I like to say we are bio-psycho-spiritual beings. Hmm. You know, um, there is the, our, there are the spiritual issues that we have to deal with, but then there are also the biological and physical and, and psychological issues that we have to deal with, you know, um, all together. And yeah. because, you know, even though we've come to Christ, even though we have been saved, even if His Spirit does dwell within us, we still are living within a human body, on a fa- in a fallen world, and we are imperfect. So many times our thoughts go wrong, and our bodies go wrong, and that is just that is just a part of living here on earth until we are met with Christ and in new glorified bodies, right? Um, just like any part of our body gets sick, our our minds get sick too. I think people forget that there are there's a biological system going on up there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they forget there are neuro there are neurochemicals, there are neural connections, there are, you know, um, there are circuitry. I mean, there's so much going on in the human brain that also contributes to mood and behavior that is very physical. Mm-hmm. And so I think people see the mind as just this existential thing. And I believe part of it is, a lot of it is spiritual, but there is a lot of it that's physical. So it's important that we take an integrated approach and know how to address both. I think this is huge because I think there's this fear. I know there's this fear in in a lot of Christian circles that in addressing physical needs, mental needs, in getting someone therapy, in getting someone medication, that... God will then not get the glory, right? Mm. Like that's such a that's such a Christianese phrase. God will get the glory, but like right, it, it's true. Right. Like those are. I think that we're afraid that if we address it from a physical, mental um, way, biological way, that that we take away God's glory. Do you? Does that sound true to you? I think I know what you're saying. And it goes back to this whole idea, like, if you just have enough faith, you know, if you just pray some more, like, it really comes down to the fact that a lot of times there's this skewed view or imbalanced view that God only works spiritually. You know what I mean? But like I was saying earlier, he, he works in the physical world, but not only that, we know that he works from brokenness. We know that Paul said he had this, th- this thorn that he was dealing with, but despite this thorn, this dysfunction, this hang-up in his life, God still used that. That's where his glory comes in, right? Yeah. Like It comes in where although you're broken, although you're fallen, although you're failing, he's still prevailing in your life. Like To me, that's where he gets the most glory. So, you know, yeah, you might be 
having a mental dysfunction or on medication or have this diagnosis, but you're still showing up, you know, you're telling your story. Other people are being healed or being set free from your testimony. You know, that is God's glory. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all about perspective, right? Um, yeah. Having a healthy perspective. So what do you say to churches then who say, oh, wow, you know, we've we've got some we got some jacked up people coming to church. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got some people with issues coming to church. We have some really broken people in our congregation. We have some people that are not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, here's what I know about you from following your blog, from having your app on my phone, from being a part of the Facebook group. You are the bomb at creating <laughs> authentic community. Like you're so good at it. Oh, it's true. <laughs> thank you. Wow, you're welcome. It's a thank you. Um, but but what do you, what do you want pastors, lay leaders, people who have influence in the church to know about the importance of authentic community for people mm. who have been broken? Oh, man. First of all, thank you. Oh, that just made me feel so great. Um, Yeah. I mean, authenticity, vulnerability, it's so important. And I'm not saying that churches aren't doing this because there are a lot that are. But, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to think how to word this because it is such a big issue, you know, Mm -hmm. and I will say this, though, in order to evoke vulnerability and authenticity in others, you have to show that, you know what I mean? Like you have to show that yourself. You have to display it. You have to example what that looks like. So if you're seeing vulnerability and authenticity in my group or my app or whatnot, it's because I'm being vulnerable, you know, within the group. I'm sharing, like, this is what I've struggled with, or I'm asking real questions, you know, about how they're feeling, you know, um, and 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 adding my own as well. You know, I go in there and I ask for prayer when I'm dealing with stuff, or I've posted, you know, you guys, I had a really hard day with anxiety today. I decided to go for a run, and I might post a picture of me in my running shoes, <laughs> you yeah. know. And so, um, so, you know, I would say vulnerability begets vulnerability, you know, and, and here's the thing. We already know that even though this is, even though this is contrary to the Bible, we know that a lot of people show up to church, um, believing that they're supposed to be together and they're supposed to be okay to show that, you no. Know, my faith is strong and God is keeping me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, especially with leaders. And I was actually just reading an article about, you know, providing a safe place for leaders to deal with their mental struggles. Um, and so there just needs to be, it needs to be a conversation, basically. There needs to be some type of conversation or message that is saying, you know, I, first of all, this is what I deal with. This is what I have dealt with. You know, this is what I'm struggling with or have struggled with. And if you're struggling with this too, let's go on this journey together. You know, it needs to be like that. It's not that we're pointing people to the cross. It's that we're both walking to the cross together. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So it it needs to, it needs to be Mm. more of that type of, type of, um, type of communication. And 
a lot of people just aren't talking about mental illness in the church. And I think that's because it's misunderstood. Mm. You know, I mean, you're, you're just not going to talk about something that you don't fully understand or it's not talking, talked about in a healthy way because it's not understood. Um, and I've, and I've seen it and I've heard it before and it breaks my heart because that stops people from opening up, you know? Um, so yeah, there needs to be a conversation, but first there needs to be an example of vulnerability. Um, maybe, you know, your church opens up a support group for those who are battling with mental illness or the, or the family and friends of those who know someone who's dealing with it because it takes a toll on them as well. And, or they need to learn helpful, you know, have helpful support, you know, um, I think every church should have a therapist. (laughs) Oh, Kristen Kensevich loves you. You're getting the gold star from Kristen right now. Oh, Oh my gosh, she's sending you $5. You better look in the mail. She is. And a prayer cloth and some water from (laughs) the dead side. You're getting it all. She's sending every bit of it to you right now. Oh my gosh, I just love Kristen so much. She's the greatest. We love Kristen too. Oh my gosh, I love her. I've got, I just want to like fly down and just have (laughs) coffee with her one day it's going to happen it's going to happen she'll never be able to get in the coffee shop with that big head now oh my gosh oh my gosh she's just me and her like our visions are so matched you know and you guys as well it's just like oh it's so fueling like to see other people who just see what you see and get it and are just doing it in such a healthy way I just love it um but anyway yeah, there needs to be there needs to be a conversation about it because the truth is we know that one out of five Americans are battling with mental illness mm. just in America. So chances are there are a few of those people in your pews that are sitting in your seats. They're there. You just don't know that they're there. They're there. They're just not telling you about it, but it's inevitable. They are there. Maybe they're not chronically diagnosed with mental illness or maybe they have one, but they have they don't know it. Because they don't know the signs or what to do about it. You know, um, you're wondering why their behavior is erratic or why they're always struggling with this or thinking like that, Mm. why it's so hard for them to grasp, you know, um, certain, you know, things. Um, They could be struggling with mental illness, you know, Um, especially if they've been through trauma, Mm. you know. Trauma is just it's like I said, you get, you come to Christ, you know, and and he saves you and he cleans you up, but that trauma still exists. Your human spirit experience is still there and you still have to deal with it. And the longer you go not dealing with these things, the longer the people in your congregation go not facing these things, not only the worse does it get, but the harder it is going to be for them to make a recovery. And it's on average that people wait about 10 years until they actually get recovery for their issues. Whether that's because they're in denial or just because they didn't know, I'm not sure, but I don't think it's something we can afford to risk because these are people's lives. And if we are soul carers, if we are carers of people's souls, if we're shepherds and whatnot, then that, that it includes that. It includes that there's, I forget what the percentage is, but there's a number of people who say have dealing with mental illness makes it very hard for them to live out their faith. And a number of people, especially in my support group have found relief in finding out their diagnosis or finding out what they're dealing with because then it's like, Oh, I'm not just like crazy or deal, you know, like possessed or whatever, you know, it's not just my faith. Like, no, I'm, I'm actually dealing with this because of 
this trauma or because of these biochemical imbalances or whatever. And then from there, they can learn how to manage it or seek treatment. And that's when the real process and healing can begin. So it's so important for us to help them address these issues. And it starts with a conversation. And maybe as a pastor, as a layman, you don't know all about mental health or mental illness, you know, but if you can just encourage a culture and an environment of vulnerability and, and facing it and not being afraid to, to get help, then I think that's a step in the right direction. Oh man, she's preaching now. That's good stuff. (laughs) And you have, um, I don't want to miss this, you have a a seven-day anxiety detox e-series that people can sign up for. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I'm smiling because that has done so much better than I thought it would, to be completely honest, Steve. You know, really. you, you, you do something and you put it out there and you're like, I hope this is helpful, but you don't know how it's going to take. You know what I mean? You, mm. you just put it out there. You don't know how many people are going to take. And I had a goal. I was like, okay, I just pray 500 people will go through this and it'll be helpful. Yeah. And I put this out last summer and almost 4,000 people have gone through it go so far. Go on with your bad self. That's <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> and I still get emails to this day, almost yeah. every day about the series. And I'm just like, wow, like, and I really had my head under, I was really living in a rock, like putting this thing together, like Mm. living under a rock. I just, (laughs) I was so dedicated to this. And it's basically a seven day e-series where every day for seven days, it's just seven days, but still you get an email um, that is basically going to help you combat different areas of anxiety. And I have integrated it in a practical way. And it's also very biblical. So it's very scripture based. There's a scripture at the beginning of each one. It deals with it from a biblical perspective, but there are also practical skills and like tools that you can use to combat your thoughts, um, that you're dealing with. So, um, I'm just trying to think like I I have this chart where you can list like your your thoughts versus like what God says about them or these flashcards where you can write down scriptures about anxiety. And then when you're going through it, you can call them off in prayer. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like a script spring. Um, There's just a lot of practical advice, but there's also a lot of biblical advice in there. It's very, very integrated. And I use cognitive behavioral therapy as well. I talk about triggers. I talk about, you know, triggers meaning like figuring out what it is that is triggering your anxiety and why, as well as the process of um, thoughts, behaviors, and physiological effects, because they all work together. So your thoughts, your anxious thoughts will fuel anxious behaviors, which will fuel the physiological, you know, symptoms, the bodily symptoms, which go back to your thoughts to go, oh man, I am experiencing anxiety. (laughs) And it kind of cycles, right? Yeah. So I break down a little bit of the scientific, um, psychological perspective of it. And so I just had a lot of people that were like, man, after going through these series, I've never, I've never had anxiety broken down like this for me before. Like I've never thought about anxiety in this way, but I do provide those biblical, uh, references so that, because that's the point. There is hope, right? Like even though you're dealing with these things and you have these tools, we still have we still have hope in Christ, 
you know, he anchors us through it all. So he is an anchor through for us through the entire series. And it's been, man, it's been really successful. I've had girlfriends like, I, my boyfriend's been dealing with anxiety. I told him to <laughs> go through your detox, you know. And yeah. so there's funny little gifs in there, you know. So yeah. it's kind of. It's it's like it's a little there's some lighthearted fun stuff too. So um yeah. Very it's been cool. Doing well. So happy Good. about it. So people go sign up for that. It's at BrittanyAmoses.com. Right there at the top, there's a, a tan or a gold colored bar that says start the mm-hmm. seven day anxiety detox e-series. Join here. Go do that. All right, here I want to ask you about this. Um, because I think this matters. I, you know, I'm a writer too, and so mm-hmm. words are important. And so your sort of your um your byline or whatever, your um your I don't know, the the title of your <laughs> blog. So it says Brittany Moses, and then right below that it says, A Journey of Faith and Mental Wellness. Why did you choose mm. mental wellness? Yeah, that's a good question because I'm pretty sure it took me forever to just come up with that. You know how that is I as do. a writer. Yeah. Like, what's, what's my tagline going to be? Tagline. Um, that's what I was trying to think of. Jeez thinking. Louise. <laughs> <laughs> um, or subtitle, right? Sure, that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a writer, whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> totally get it. Um, well, I chose that because it is a journey. You know, like I was saying earlier, I would like to say that it ends here, mm-hmm. you know, but the truth is, for many of us, probably for all of us, because I believe that we all deal with mental health issues on a spectrum, um, it's, it's not going to fully end until we see Jesus (laughs) Um, as long as we're in human bodies that's the reality of it Um, but we can journey together through it Um, it's a process you know and that's one of the things I always tell my group members like thanks for letting us be a part of your journey because that's what it is it's a journey it has its ups and downs you know sometimes you're good next thing you know you feel like you're back to square one Um, you know, and you're constantly growing and learning more about it and learning more about yourself and how to become more equipped and stronger in it. So it's, it's not an event. It's not something that just happens one time. Um, it doesn't define you. Um, what it looks like now isn't what it's always going to look like. It's a journey. It's a journey. So, um, that's why I call it a journey of faith and mental wellness, um, because we're going down this road together. And, uh, I chose the word mental wellness, I think because, I think because it has more positive tone, you know, I think when you hear mental illness, I think it, it can sometimes come off as a negative connotation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I I personally don't think it is because it's just like any other thing that you're dealing with. But just the word illness, it it can have a negative connotation um, with a lot of people. And then when you say mental health, I don't think a lot of people understand what all of that encompasses. (laughs) Yeah. Um, As far as that definition. So I say a journey of faith and mental wellness because the goal is to get better really. It's it's to get on a journey of wellness when it comes to mental health. So I'm trying to help others sort out how to manage it in a healthy way, how to get to a better place, how to see the positive side and the blessing of what they're going through while also being very authentic about what they're going through. Mm-hmm. So I think it just it was just 
the best thing to encompass the work that I'm trying to do. I think it works. So for those people who are trying to live authentic, they're trying to embrace their faith, but they're also trying to care for their mental health. Um, Mm -hmm. One of my favorite blogs of yours um, is from, I think, earlier this year. Uh, Yeah. Hmm. Um, You talk about dealing with your inner critic, setting boundaries (laughs) with your inner critic. It's so important because you Mm. start that blog with, do you know who talks to you more than anyone in this world? You do. Right. So give us some give us some tips give some advice on dealing with your inner critic oh that's so i'm really glad that you enjoyed that i love it like again i didn't know how that would take because the writing style of it was a little bit different yeah because the blog in the blog it's literally like writing a letter to your inner critic and what that what that article came off of was me writing a letter to my inner critic. (laughs) Those are the most powerful, Um, I think. Right. When it's what you're dealing with, like most of the stuff that I write about, it's because I'm, I'm dealing with it or I have dealt with it, you know? Um, and so, you know, I personally can be very, very critical of myself. Um, I think anybody also who deals with perfectionist tendencies or just insecurity or, and whatnot has dealt with that. And it's true. Like, I, I really believe that, like, what you believe about yourself and the way to you, that you talk to yourself, that is, like, the biggest voice that is guiding your life, you know? Yeah. And I think it's important to identify that voice. I think it begins with identification because if you don't identify the voice – then it's just running your life behind the scenes. Then you're just accepting every thought that pops into your head because to you, it's just the way that you think. It's just the way of life. It's just the way that you are. But that's not true. You can separate yourself from your thoughts. In the psych world, it's called metacognition. It's basically when you have the ability to think about your thoughts. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So that's what the whole idea is about addressing your inner critic. And as far as, I guess, a couple of tips go, what I would do, honestly, in the identification process is I would write down what your inner critic is saying. Like, get it out on paper so it's not just manifesting in your head. I think that's the benefit of journaling, period. It kind of takes things from manifesting in your head and, and lays it out so you can mental, so you can map your mind and say, okay, this is what's going on. Like, this is where I'm thinking. This is where it's coming from, you know? Mm, yeah. So get it on paper. You know, what, what are you telling yourself? What are you believing? What are your core beliefs about yourself and the world around you, about God, about your faith? You know, write it on paper and don't judge yourself or shame yourself for thinking about it. I think that's very important. Sometimes we don't want to write it down because we're ashamed of our thoughts. Yeah. Um, because they're ugly and they're, uh, they're, sh- they're shameful. And so one thing I have, I have, um, dubbed of my journal is that it's a place where I do not judge my thoughts. I do not judge myself. You know, I do not edit it. I just lay it all out. The truth, the raw, the ugly, because that's the only way you can really deal with it. So, you know, write down what your inner critic is saying. And then let those, let that voice kind of point
point you back to maybe why you're thinking those things, maybe where it comes from, and maybe you won't know, honestly. Um, maybe you have a therapist that you can actually talk through those things with or a counselor that you can share those thoughts with. And that'll be very helpful for them too, to really get to the root of, you know, what you're dealing with and what's going on in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then it's about, I think, finding a balance with your inner critic. I think that was a big deal for me because my inner critic wasn't to- isn't totally a bad thing, but it's not a good thing either. And so that whole post was all about setting boundaries, you yeah. know, where saying, here's where you're helpful, critic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Debbie, <laughs> whatever name Debbie. you want to call <laughs> Of course it's Debbie. Sharon, <laughs> whatever you want to call your inner critic. <laughs> will you, um, uh, will you, uh-huh. will you read your, your letter, the dear inner critic letter? I will. Absolutely. Let me, let me actually pull it up. Okay. Yeah. Whatever you want to name her or him. <laughs> D- Dave. Oh Look man. Here. Stinking Dave. He's so critical. Well, <laughs> Dave's so critical. You know the name of mine, right? <laughs> What's that? Robert. Friggin' Robert. Gosh. Rob. Rob. Lee. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> okay. This was the letter that I wrote to my inner critic. I think that everybody should write it. And the whole point was about setting boundaries. And so I said, Dear inner critic, I appreciate you. I appreciate you because you make sure that I hold to my convictions, live in truth, and protect me from pride. For this reason, you will always have your place. I will give you a seat at the table when your feedback is constructive. When it becomes destructive, you will be excused. So today we need to set some boundaries because you have started to overstep your place. You are allowed to bring shortcomings to my attention so I can humbly better myself. You are not allowed to define my identity because of it. You are allowed to show me where my actions were misguided so that I can do better the next time. You are not allowed to bind me to the failings of my past. You are allowed to alert me to become aware of these things. I'll get it the first and second time. You are not allowed to rampage in a cycle of shame, which produces no fruit. You are allowed to warn me of the potential dangers should I step out and take risks so I can weigh my decisions. You are not allowed to withdraw me to the persecution of fear and self-doubt. You are allowed to take in constructive criticism from those around me so that I can grow in wisdom and understanding. You are not allowed to let the reckless opinions of others override the security of who God says I am and myself to be. I list out today that we are both clear on when your voice, where your voice begins and where your voice ends. Going forward, it will be strictly enforced. I know I cannot make you go away forever because you hold a necessary balance that keeps my thoughts checked into reality. So here's a brighter journey that works together and not against each other. Oh, man, I love it. BrittanyAMoses.com. <laughs> you got to go check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes. Awesome. So, so good. Yeah, and you know, it's it's good because whether you live with a diagnosed mental illness or not, everybody mm-hmm. understands the yeah. voice of the inner critic. So it's so great to say, look, here's where you can step in and here's what you're not, you know. So I, yeah. it's, it's just really <clears throat> great. Look, I want to talk about the app. Robert said, you got to talk to her about this app. I want to know why she created <laughs> it. I want to talk about it. So tell us all about the Faith and Mental Wellness app. 
when I originally had the app developed, honestly, the reason that I more so wanted it was because of the notica- notification feature. You know, with notifications, you can send a message and it'll pop up on everybody's phone. Um, so that's really why I wanted it in the beginning. I wanted to be able to have a process where I could send an encouraging message for those who are struggling and it to be a daily pop-up reminder on their phones. Um, again, a lot of these things birth from struggles that I've dealt with. I think about the things that I was dealing with when I was struggling in the place that I was in and the things that I wish that I had that would have helped me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's where a lot of these ideas come from. Like I wish that I had something that would kind of daily check in with me or elevate my thoughts or kind of get me unstuck. And so that's originally why I got I developed the app. But then I thought, you know, why not just basically make it a spin-off of my blog? The truth is that 75% of online users are checking things out mobily rather than on their computer. So it just makes it more convenient for them to access, you know, the the articles that I write, um, the journal prompts that I have. Um, but I also wanted to be able to offer exclusive things that are just on the app, like devotionals. So there'll be devotionals there. And then also a one-stop place where you can also access the Faith and Mental Wellness community, which is our online Christian mental health support group. We got a prayer wall, which I love. Oh my gosh. Yeah. People just pour their hearts out on there and you wish you could do something when you read these. I mean, but yeah. you can. You pray, obviously, but it really honest also it that also builds that authenticity because it shows you very raw what people are dealing with and people are going through a lot. And these could be the people that are like sitting right next to you that you just that say I'm fine, I'm okay, you know. Um, there's a Bible on there. Also, I wanted to be able to have my, uh, my printables on there. Like I have a self therapy anxiety guide and I have a Bible study worksheet. So it's pretty much, it's, it's, it's pretty cool because it's basically like all my work in one place. Yeah. And so I thought that was really cool. And then the latest feature that I developed that I've been wanting for a while is this mood tracker. And that's where every day you could go in and you can input your mood. It's, it gives you a spectrum. It asks you how, how are you, great, good, okay, bad, awful. And you can note take what happened that day or what was triggering you or whatnot. And then it will give you a history of your mental health level levels based off of what you've been tracking. So it'll show you based on what you've been logging if your mental health has been going down or up. You have the notes that kind of show you what's been contributing. And so it just makes your mental health process or levels very practical and observable for yourself or those who are supporting you. They can look at this and see how you're doing. It's good stuff. So I really wanted that and that's only on the app. And then uh, I started some podcasts. And so the podcasts go to the app too. And I'm hoping to record some some more of those um, coming up soon. Woohoo! So the app is just kind of a one-stop shop for everything yeah um, and I just think that was just I think it just made it easier I like easy do you like easy I like, like easy <laughs> yes for sure so it's just easy you know easy way to access everything yeah so I want to know from you advice for people who are listening to the show who have maybe for half a second considered therapy 
going to mm-hmm. counseling, but but they're scared to. They this they know the stigma around going to therapy, but they are miserable in trying to recover alone. Yeah. How would you encourage that person? I would say that the moment that you are having the thought or questioning if you should get help, that's usually always a sign that you should. You're having that thought for a reason. And, you know, man, it's just like, don't let anybody shame you out of getting the help that you need, even yourself. You know, have enough love and and, and care for yourself to get the help you need when you need it, because your life really does depend on it. In fact, they show that those who who do go to therapy, they start seeing, they might not recover right away, but there are there are feelings of relief that do follow and it is a process but you know the truth is even therapists have therapists yeah. <laughs> you know therapy is not for crazy people it's not even just for people who are mentally ill it's for i believe anybody who's just stuck in their life within themselves and they're having a hard time digging your way out Um, you know, I believe there's a scripture that says, you know, pity on the one who falls alone. If there are two, at least one can help the other up. Mm -hmm. And if there are three, well, a three corded strand, you can't, you can't break, you know? So the truth is that we can't dig ourselves out of a hole. I mean, picture yourself in a hole. You Mm -hmm. can't dig yourself. You can't reach down and get yourself out because you're in it. You need somebody who's outside of the hole to reach down and pull you out. And that's just how it is sometimes. Like I said, even no matter how much scientific facts or statistics or definitions I know about mental health and mental illness, I'm not immune because I'm human. So I think it's important to understand that it's not like a certain type of person that needs therapy. Like if you go to therapy, you have to be this type of person or dealing with this. It's, 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 it's a human condition. You know, mm. and I honestly think that we all need therapy. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you were to ask me, I think everybody needs therapy because we've just, I mean, we've just all been through the human experience and have things that have shaped us in painful ways and in dysfunctional ways that carry through our lives and, and, and play out through our behaviors and thoughts in ways that we don't realize. So I think everybody needs therapy personally, but, um, you know, if, if you're, if you're scared, what I would suggest is, you know, if I'm trying to think there, you know, depending on which route you go to find therapy, obviously if like you're a college student, many colleges offer clinical therapy or they have a clinician that's on campus that is a part of your student fees that you can go visit. Or if you have insurance and you're looking, what you can do is you can have a consultation, just a consultation with your therapist. Just, you know, talk to them over the phone or meet them one time. Get a feel for them. You know, tell them what kind of what you're going through and and take it step by step. But I think the biggest thing is to care about yourself enough to get the help that you need because the truth is that it could change your life. Imagine your life and the way that you view yourself and whatnot being completely different in six months to a year. 
imagine not being in the place that you're in right now, or at least being able to manage or learn from it in a healthy way. I mean, your life could look completely different. And I think for me, when I got help, that was my anchor that made it worth it. The thought and the vision that my life could look completely different than the place that I'm in right now, six months or a year from now, because I chose to get help instead of staying where I am. And I think that your life is worth that. That's so good. That's so good. And I think it's it's important for people, I hear especially from guys that, well, I don't know what oh, I yeah. would say, or I, you know, I don't even know where to begin, blah, 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 you know, because all guys talk like that, that blah, 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 in case you didn't <laughs> blah, know. Blah, blah. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's important for people to know, too, that counselors are trained to right. listen to what you're not saying. That's exactly. that's a big deal. So you go and you're like, I don't even know what to say. I just know I feel stuck. I just know I'm sad or I'm hurting or I'm angry mm-hmm. or I'm whatever you are. That's really all that you know how to say. Okay. Well, they know how to help you sort of pull some things out. Um, they're going to come at it totally judgment free. Like you're paying right. this person to, to tell you the truth, but to tell you the truth with kindness and, um, you know, to be what to be objective you know it's just oh man right I'm with I think, you there's nothing better <laughs> I think it's great because you need that you know what I mean because I know even as Christians especially I'll just like just because you have to add that factor in sometimes you don't want to share things because it's like shameful and you don't want people to have a bad reflection of you and your faith and like disqualify you you know what I mean like yes. even they might and they might not do that you know but Sometimes you feel they might, you know, you might just have that that insecurity of that. Well, if you go to a therapist, like you just said, Steve, like it's a non-judgment zone. It is a free zone to just talk about what you're dealing with. And like you said, they will pull out what's not being said. They know how to, they obviously, you know, know how to work with you. Um, they'll Or they'll ask questions to help you probe what's going on within you um, or to help guide you to come to that self-discovery of what's going on. And so I don't know about you, but like I need that, that judgment free zone, (laughs) you know, you do need it because basically it gives you a safe space Mm -hmm. and we we all need a safe space if where we can be raw and where we can open up so that we can really unearth and face the depths of our soul. Those places that we don't want to go to. <laughs> yeah. And we probably can't go to with certain people if it's going to be dealt with in a healthy way. And so with a therapist, you can do that. Yeah, in you a have safe somebody space. to walk you along who's been professionally trained to hold your hand, to walk with you through it, to not let you um dig that stuff up all by yourself oh that's good that's good stuff good stuff um yeah okay so let's let's go final thoughts here um the person who's listening who is struggling with depression or anxiety or just sort of feeling hopeless or without purpose what do you want them to know if they've heard nothing else from this interview what do you want to leave them with i would like to say that it is there is another side I know that when you're in the midst of anxiety or depression and you're feeling stuck, it feels like this is your life. Like this is going to be your life. 
this is all there is to life. Um, but take it from me, and I'm pretty sure Steve and Rob can attest to this too, or really anyone that has dealt with feeling stuck in depression or suicidal or even a diagnosis, that you can live a fulfilling life on the other side of this. That doesn't mean that that life is going to be perfect. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be a solution. That doesn't mean that you won't hit lows again. But you can get through it in a way that is manageable, in a way that is healthy, and in a way that is fulfilling. But it's all about understanding yourself, understanding what you're going through, being able to seek the help that you need, and letting no one shame you for that, including yourself, not letting you shame yourself for that, and understanding that it's a journey. And like I said earlier, most of all, that your life is worth that. It is worth exploring and finding out and getting to that other side of your life. And it's just about, you know, taking the steps that you need to take and being proactive about it. And you might not recover overnight, but over time, you're building upon a foundation that will get you to a, a, a I think, I think a, at least a, a smoother course. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's always more turbulent in the beginning, but then over time, you learn how to manage it or you learn how to manage your life and you learn how to live a fulfilling life around it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, for the Christian, suffering sucks. <laughs> First Come of all, on, just say it again. Period. Let me just say, like, like suffering sucks. And none of us want to go through suffering on this life. And I think we question like, God, why would you let me suffer? Why would you let me go through with this? I know for me, when I've gone through things, it's just been like, I've been faithful to you. Like I serve you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like I'm still getting the bad end of the stick (laughs) over here, you know, and you might wonder like, what's the point if I'm just going to suffer? Uh, But I think it's very important from the biblical perspective to understand that there will be a level of suffering on this earth, in these bodies, in this fallen world. There will be a level of it. But what makes it beautiful is when we tell our stories and we come together and we find ourselves tethered to one another through this human experience and loving one another and walking together And it turns the brokenness into something beautiful and meaningful, and that is worth it. But not only that, our hope is in Christ, and our hope is in the fact that it won't always be like this, that there is another side to this, and that though we suffer on this earth, it doesn't compare to the glory that will be revealed in Him when we are with Him. That is where our hope is. I don't know about you, Steve, but it's like, I can't put my hope in this world. Like, I just can't. Like, (laughs) I can't put my hope in myself. I can't put my hope in this world. I can't even completely put my hope in the future of my life in this world. Even though I I, I try to be hopeful about it, that can't be it. That just can't be it. Because there's too much struggle and suffering and ups and downs. Yeah. There has to be more. And so that is where our hope comes from. Our hope comes from the fact that there is more in Christ where there will be a day where there is no pain, there is no suffering, and we are with him and we are perfected. I mean, like, 
forever. That is the hope that we have as those who are in Christ. And I think that we need to have an eternal perspective as well while we're here and not lose sight of that. Well, she preached today, people. (laughs) Brittany Moses, thank you so much. Thank you. So good. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, read all your stuff, download (laughs) all the things, be in your community. Tell it all right now. Let's go. (laughs) Well, I love making new friends. I would love (laughs) (laughs) to have you. Um, Yeah. So my handles are Brittany Moses, B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y-M-O-S-E-S on uh, Instagram and Snapchat and Let's see. If you're on Pinterest, I pin a lot of mental health things and quotes under Brittany Moses. My Twitter, however, is Brittany underscore Moses. This girl bought me to it. I don't. I don't know. I'm just. I think I should message her one day and be like, "Hey, she. I think she's a teenager. I should be like, I'll give you fifty bucks. Yeah, for that's my all handle. she wants. Probably twenty. Like <laughs> twenty five bucks just for my handle. <laughs> like you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so Twitter is Brittany underscore Moses, and then yeah, BrittanyAMoses.com is a website. If you go to the Google or or uh, iTunes stores for the Faith and Mental Wellness app, it is a free download. It's a free resource. And on Facebook, we are the Faith and Mental Wellness Community. And I started an Instagram recently called Christian Mental Health. And that's basically where I provide a lot of quotes supporting mental health from the biblical perspective. Um, And so it is all there. And yeah, I'd be happy to, uh, to meet you guys. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story and tips and tricks and advice and hope and just all of that today with all of us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the CXMH Podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at cxmhpodcast at gmail.com. A final note, if you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.